What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find the gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. If you're a developer who would like to participate in our Spotlight interview series of special episodes, please reach out through any of our channels. We would love to hear from you. And we're now on YouTube. So if you or someone you know prefers to listen to shows on YouTube, please recommend them Found Bites GRS on YouTube. All of our episodes will be available as thumbnail videos with audio synth animations, but we'll also be putting up the videos of the interviews we've done so far, as well as some other exclusive content. So check it out. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Uncited is the game for this week's episode. Uncited is a top-down action-adventure game, and a lot of Zelda DNA in here, specifically linked to the past, but in terms of games that we've covered before, a lot of similarities with Morbid, Seven Acolytes, and Trigger Witch, which we did fairly recently. The game was originally released in September of 2021 on PC, Switch, Xbox One, Series X and S, and PS4. The game was developed by Studio Pixel Punk, which is a small team. It's these two women, and they're Brazilian. So I don't know if they currently reside in Brazil, but shout out to Brazil. I'm seeing so many good games. I mean, we covered Dandera from Long Hat House, and I'm just seeing a lot of good, unique games coming from there. So very proud of uh, what's going on down in Brazil. The game was published by Humble Games, and we've covered a bunch of games on the podcast that have been published by Humble, such as A Hat in Time, Dodgeball Academia, games like that. The game did have a physical release, in May of 2022 from Limited Run and they did a PS4 version and a Switch version and they came out with standard editions and collector's editions so they had just about everything you could imagine there. The game was released at a price point of $19.99 and those Limited Run editions, the standard edition, just the box was $35 and the collector's was $65. The game runs uh, about a time of 8 to 9 hours if you're just playing straight through but there's a ton of extra content. You can definitely go explore especially if you know Link to the Past. There are a lot of things that you can go get, places that you couldn't go before, things like that. Uh, Could maybe even put you over 20 hours if you're trying to do everything. Me, I got the game on PlayStation, and I got it on sale for $13.99. And at this point, I've put in about five to six hours. There are like five major dungeons, and I just beat the third one. The game wasn't really recommended to me by anyone. I saw it on sale. Uh, The gameplay looked solid. It looked like it had a lot of depth and customization. Uh, The visuals initially were actually, I don't want to say a deterrent, but after I bought this game, the visuals were kind of like I didn't feel like going to it, especially because I had recently played a lot of pixelated games. But once I dove in, I was like, whoa, this game is a lot more depth here.
All right, let's talk gameplay for Unsighted. So this is a top-down action game. Uh, you'll be finding weapons, you'll be upgrading things, you'll be doing some crafting. It is very much progressing like a Zelda adventure game. Like, you'll have dungeons, and it'll tell you on the map where they are, and it'll even number them. There'll be some side quests, and there will be, like, that Metroidvania aspect where, like, you'll get something that allows you to access certain things or break certain blocks or whatever, and you'll be like, oh, I remember I saw those. But let's just start with the basic moveset. So you're going to be able to move your character around, and if you hold a button, they'll be able to run. And then if you hit another button, they'll be able to jump, do like kind of like a jump roll. And then you'll be able to do your weapon attack. And you can hold two weapons at once. So on PlayStation, it'll be like R2 and L2. Some of these will be melee weapons. Some of these will be ranged weapons. With the melee weapon, if you hold it, you actually will do like a powered charge spin attack. But basically what you're going to do is have a loadout of two weapons and you're actually allowed to have three different loadouts. So very similar to Time Spinner, what you're able to do there. As you get more weapons, you can have loadout A be like the big sword or the big axe and then maybe B will have like a small sword or something like that that's quicker. Parrying and countering is going to be a major part of this game. And at times you will have to do this to progress. Every enemy is going to have like an indicator for when they're about to attack. And if you parry at that time, she'll like swipe the sword in a circle and then it'll parry the enemy and then they'll sit there kind of exhausted. And if you go up and hit them, it'll be like a crit hit. And so it's really nice how this works. You can also deflect projectiles with this. I like how the beginning of the game really tutorializes this. And there's like a, an NPC who's like following you around and telling you like how to do certain things. Um, so I really like the pacing of that. Again, this is going to be utilized very well into the game and often as like a gatekeeping mechanism. So you definitely want to get that parry timing down. You will have two meters that you need to monitor. One is your stamina meter. The other is your health. So your stamina, anytime you run, like you just hold the run button or you do the jump roll or you attack, it's going to deplete that stamina meter. And then as long as you're not doing any of those things, even if you're walking around, it'll kind of slowly recharge. But if you don't let it recharge and it goes all the way down, you're going to be exhausted and you'll have to like stay there and you can move, but you walk super slowly. And I think once it gets like back to halfway, then you can start to move regular speed. And there's actually this move to recharge it very quickly. And I found this out fairly recently. Basically, if you just stand there and then double tap the run button, like a swing of her sword, and it'll just like she'll spin and then she'll recharge all of her energy. But you can't be moving when you do it. It's something that I found out a lot later than I thought. And I actually find pretty useful. Your health meter at the top. So you'll have like a certain number of spaces that are hearts, basically. If you get hit, obviously you're going to lose health health but you also have what's called a syringe just under your health meter and if that is full and you're low on health you can use it to heal and it'll just boost you back to full health and then that syringe will empty and then if you hit enemies and do damage it'll start to replenish that syringe but you can't use the syringe unless it's fully filled there and this is so very similar to trigger witch which had like these potion bottles so there's this kind of back and forth with like if you're getting hit uh, you might need to use your syringe, but then you need to start doing damage to enemies so that you can power up that syringe again in case you need it. And there will be parts later in the game where you can get access to more syringes. Exploration is a big thing. Again, I'm drawing a lot of parallels with Zelda games, especially Link to the Past. So you're going to be exploring a lot in this game. And while you're exploring, you're going to be breaking boxes. 
You're going to be opening crates, opening chests, all the things that you'll have in there. You'll find some items, maybe keys, which are uh, pretty big in this game. Primarily, it's going to be like currency, which is bolts. But you're also going to see a lot of crafting materials. And there's not that many, so you're not going to get too overwhelmed. But that's pretty much all that you're going to find as you're walking around and busting these things open. Some other things, you're going to come across a lot of puzzles. Certainly some in the dungeons, but a lot of them kind of in the overworld. And these are primarily going to be like unlocking mechanisms. It might be to unlock a door. It might be to unlock a chest so that you can open it. It could have switches. It could be pushing blocks to put on a certain space. Um, so if you're a Zelda veteran, definitely concepts that you've seen before, although there are some nice refreshing ways that they do this. In terms of like hazards, uh, there's going to be water. There'll be like pits, like you might fall off a cliff. And all these are going to have the same effect. It's just going to put you back where you were. Uh, and it actually doesn't take health. But you'll find out later, it's going to put you back all the way to the last time you were on like solid ground or something like that. So when you get some of the later mechanics, this can have consequences that can be a little frustrating, but you'll learn that sort of the hard way. But just in general, a lot of gatekeeping, kind of impeding your progress type stuff. Some of it could just be like you can't go this way, or some could be like you need to get a certain item to be able to break through here or something like that. You're going to be able to climb vines, and this is something that maybe more than halfway through the game that I am now, like I'm still forgetting that I can do this. So there have been a couple times where I'm like, I know where I need to go, but I don't know how to get through this or get into that place. And then like I watched a video and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a vine there. So you can do that from very early on. Other things you might come across, kind of these lore nodes or these documents, these digital documents that are left around and you can get painting of what's going on in the world or what's going on with specific characters. Uh, I think this is a nice little touch. And this can also be clues to puzzles that are around you, especially in dungeons. You're going to come across a lot of enemies. I like the spacing. I like the frequency sort of in the open world as you're going around on the overworld. They do respawn and the rate is pretty high. Sometimes there are bigger enemies and they won't respawn at like the same rate as some of the smaller ones. I don't know if it has specifically to do with a time. And we'll talk about how time is important in this game. Um, sometimes, like, I'll go back to a screen that I was just on. And if I'm in the overworld, sometimes the enemies might be back right away. Sometimes they might not be back right away. It kind of varies. I don't know it specifically. Uh, but they do respawn quite frequently. I think there's good variety in the enemies. As a lot of them are area-specific. They may be elemental um, you'll know when you get to a new area, like the color will change, but then you'll instantly see like, oh, those are new enemies and like they kind of behave similarly to something I've seen before. But especially when it comes to, like the parry timing and stuff like that, you know, some of them have projectiles, some of them are melee. A lot of the big ones do like AOE attacks. So I do like the variety there. And it's also interesting because there is a day night cycle in this game. Like I said, it is there is a big link to time. When you go to a certain area in the day versus at night, you will actually see different enemies there. Um, so I do like that because that's a lot of attention to detail. Progression in this game. So like I said, very Zelda. There are five dungeons and they're marked on your map. They're numbered. So you kind of have an idea of where you need to go. And I do like the variation of the different areas. Like they are elemental and they are based on like the boss in that area is like or sort of the... Tr traversal or the puzzles really have to do with that a lot of the game is lock and key item access like i said you're going to be coming across areas that you can't get to very much like a metroidvania and it's like i need this thing or i need to be able to break these blocks and i do really like the advanced kind of gameplay access that you get like i just got a certain weapon that allows me to traverse certain things in this third dungeon and it opened up like a lot of areas that i couldn't go before 
and now I can start to open a lot of extra chests and get a lot of things and really power up. So I do like the pacing of that in general. A lot of the items that you get, some of them might be weapons, some of them are just like, you know, ways to traverse. I do like how they interact with the environment. I think they're all pretty unique and I didn't really see them coming. A lot of times you're like, oh, I see a crack in this wall and I can't get there. I guess I'm going to get bombs later. I don't think it was very obvious what you were going to get to access these certain things. And so I do like kind of the surprise of, of seeing them and kind of like the reveal of them. The map is pretty straightforward. I think it's fairly good detail. It's definitely colored as the different areas so you know when you're going from one area to another. A fair amount of points of interest. I would like more specifically with like NPCs or shops finding some way to be able to do that but you can put manual markers on there. Uh, you just can't like label them with different types but the main things that you're going to see are like workbenches and terminals. Terminals are going to be the big thing because this is where you recharge your health. This is where you can fast travel between terminals uh, and you can equip and expand your chip storage. Workbenches, basically just for crafting. You can craft weapons, you can craft cogs. We'll talk about crafting. Uh, the main area that you're going to constantly be going back to is the village. And it's kind of like your hub. It's where a lot of NPCs are and there are a lot of shops here. So shops to upgrade weapons, buy different blueprints to craft things, buy chips, buy materials if you're not finding enough in the overworld. And in terms of the dungeons, I definitely don't want to go into detail because I like how these are set up and I don't want to spoil them but I do like the dungeons and how they don't really all progress the same way. It's not like a vanilla format. It is very inherent to the different elemental regions. Uh, I like the puzzle variety and the puzzles, again, are very linked to the elemental regions. And I also like the challenge progression. Just in terms of the dungeons, I feel like the first one, the second one to the third one, I like how they do get more challenging, although I will say the third boss uh, was definitely not as challenging as the first two. I love the bosses in this game. And some of them are like the main boss of the dungeon. Some you're going to find mini bosses. I feel like they're always a great and fair challenge. And they all have unique mechanics. And I like how they just challenge you to use everything in your arsenal. Whether it's all your weapons. Whether it's some special traversal items or things like that. It's really up to you. But again, a lot of the tried and true stuff is going to always be relevant. Like you're going to have to parry if you want to get big hits. In terms of crafting and equipment, like I said, uh, you're going to be getting blueprints and materials and going to a workbench to do this stuff. You can craft weapons and cogs. In terms of the materials you need, you can buy them, like I said, at one of the shops, or you can find them. And you're going to find a lot of them in certain areas. You shouldn't have to spend too much money buying them. Weapons can be crafted, but you will also find a lot of weapons out in the wild, and they are unique. I do love a lot of these weapons, and there are like elemental aspects of them. You can upgrade weapons, basically just their basic damage, by paying with the currency. And so once you're finding more weapons, those three different loadouts are really going to come in useful, especially if you're in a specific area and you know a certain weapon that you have is very useful. Cogs are something that's pretty unique in this game. They're basically equipped consumables, and you can only hold four at a time. Just because you have them doesn't mean that they're active. So you have four slots for cogs, and you can either craft some or find some but once you have four you can't get any more until you use and consume them but basically these are active buffs that expire so some of these may be quantity based some of these may be timed based so some examples are like there's a defense cog where it has a shield for three and basically you can take three hits 
before you're going to take any damage. So it's just like a shield for three hits. Um, there's one that's attack, and it's 20. So like for your next 20 attacks that land on an enemy, it's going to do like an increased amount of damage. And some of the advanced ones are really cool. There's an, a revive one. Like if you die, it'll revive you right away, but only once. Um, some of them are timed. Like you'll have stamina for two minutes. I do like the active management of these because like something like has stamina for two minutes, like you have to go into the menu and click it on. And so you don't want to click it on until you're like in a boss arena. But if you finish the boss arena and then like you still have some left, like you can actually turn it off and then like use it later. So you have to actively activate it. Uh, and that can seem a bit cumbersome, but I actually feel like it just gives you more agency. So really like cogs. I think they're really useful in this game. Chips are something else that you're going to be managing a lot. And basically these are equipable. These are things that you swap in and out as like permanent upgrades. So they're basically like a more permanent version of cogs, but a lot more variety, a lot more depth in some of the benefits that you get. So you do have a max chip amount that you can hold and they're basically squares and they just, the menu as you go into a terminal, it's just like a zigzag menu of like how many squares you have open and you can upgrade what this max is. So I think in the beginning you maybe have like four or five spaces. And so some chips take up one space, some take up two, some might even take up three. And so you kind of weigh which ones you want to use. Some of the simple ones or like gives you one extra health point gives you like six extra stamina or like do plus two to weapon damage or like 20% more damage with these types of weapons. And so I like the customization here. This coupled with cogs, coupled with weapons, I really like the customization in terms of offense here and just the combat in general. I think it promotes a lot of agency and I think it just shows a lot of depth and I really enjoy it. NPCs are how a lot of this game is going to progress and really pull at you so whenever you talk to an npc you'll kind of have to meet all of them kind of like stardew valley just to get to know them and then like have them all in your contact list you'll see four heart spaces and so you have one heart you start with one heart with everyone the goal with npcs is to get four hearts with them and then you'll get like access to something special and you'll get minor things along the way as you're getting more hearts with them but this is loosely tied to side quests um there are a couple side quests in this game but they're not really logged anywhere most of these are just collecting things so i wish there was kind of a quest book but i understand that there's not i think it would have made the menu a little clunkier everything in this game revolves around time and so your character has a certain amount of hours left and so does every other character in this game in the top right corner of the main hud there is a clock going And it's just ticking like it's a military clock. It goes 24 hours. And each hour is a minute in real time. So there's that uh, relationship there. Every NPC has a certain amount of time left. I don't know specifically what happens when those times run out for those characters. I would imagine that they die. So I do think that there is permadeath in this game, certainly with the story. In the first few hours of this game, it's not going to be that dire. But eventually, it is starting to become more apparent to you that this is important and it's also a gameplay aspect so something just to keep in the back of your mind as long as the game is unpaused and you're sitting there playing that clock is ticking but as soon as you pause the game it's not and so i really appreciate that but you need to watch the clock now there are ways to sort of buy more time for different characters including yourself and this is an item that you're going to pick up called meteor dust and one piece of meteor dust can add 24 hours to any npc including yourself as you give characters meteor dust when their time is getting low 
that will give them more time, but that's also how they get a heart from you. So there's this linking between NPC relationships, building character relationships, getting benefits from it, and then also this kind of permadeath situation. I don't want to comment on this too much more. I will tell you that I have not experienced anything dire, but I am micromanaging this a lot, and it's really pulling at me. Uh, there was even a time where like, I had to leave a dungeon because like someone was getting very low on their time, and I was like, I'm not going to lose them. I'm going to go and give them a meteor dust. So just be aware of that. If you're someone who you know is neurotic about things like that or very OCD, like you're gonna have to like stop everything and like go to a certain place. And in terms of accessibility, there is fast travel, like I said, with the terminals. The die and respawn can be a little frustrating because you can only go back to the previous terminal you were at or the main village. And so sometimes, like, if you die and you haven't found a terminal in a while, it might be kind of a long rush back to get to where you were. And I'm not too sure about the autosave mechanic. It does autosave. I don't think that you have to go to a terminal to save it. I've quit multiple times, and it never asked me, like, are you sure you're going to lose progress? So I think it just autosaves constantly. There is a difficulty option in the beginning of the game, and I think the easiest difficulty option takes away the time clock and permadeath. I did it on whatever the recommended difficulty was. I think it's just like the normal, but there is the option to uh, check different difficulties if you're not wanting to go too crazy with the time management stuff. There's also a dungeon raid mode and a boss raid mode. I haven't tried either of these, but they sound really cool, especially because, again, the boss battles are really good. But I just like the constant pacing of getting new stuff and being able to use it or incorporate it or give you access to things. It's a nice pacing and kind of evenly spread throughout, and I feel like that's really beneficial to the gamer. Let's talk about the vibe of Unsighted. So let's start with visuals. The game is super pixelated, just the main screen, what you're seeing, the action. Very reminiscent of Jack Move, of Lamentum, games like that. Uh, a lot of deep colors that are kind of like these faded neons, like they're very blue or very orange, but it's not like neon like shining in your face, like you know, you can't take it. It's like they're a bit faded, but still rich, and so I really like that. Certain things that you're going to come across, like crates and chests, they kind of have a sheen or a shine over them. So you know that they're special and that you can break them open. A lot of hair flow in this game is very translated visually. The mannerisms of characters really show through. I really appreciate that. That takes a lot of detail. I really like enemy design, boss design, colors of them. Again, sometimes they're really matching up with like the areas, the elemental nature of these different areas. And the parry indicators, this is really good because obviously this is a major part of the gameplay. But whenever an enemy is going to do an attack, like a melee attack or even a ranged attack that can be parried, uh, they're going to turn like a quick shade of red and then you'll instantly have to parry there. And then the characters that you're going to meet, like they're different busts when you're having conversation. Like I really like it. It's really well done. 
artistically and it matches up with sort of the pixelated sprite that you see there. In terms of audio, I really like the music in here. I think it's great composition. There's a lot of piano uh, and I really think it sets the mood for different areas. Sometimes it's somber. Uh, a lot of the times it's really futuristic and a lot of the times it also matches up elementally. Like there's this one uh, dungeon that's like ice based and I really like the music for that. I thought it was really incorporating that feel there. And in terms of sound effects, I really think that it's helpful again with the timing of parrying and things like that, deflecting projectiles, uh, clanging swords together, uh, really on point there with the sound effects. And in terms of settings and themes, this is the future. There's this android and human conflict going on. It's really interesting because you're in this like post-war world that seems like it's like post-apocalyptic maybe. There's this idea that a meteor came down and it was the source of like powering these different androids and then it caused a war between humans and androids. You'll definitely start to get more feel of like love and friendship and relationships. Obviously, you have NPCs and like hearts and getting bonuses from them, uh, which is very Stardew Valley. But you're definitely going to learn about the characters and the relationship with you. Uh, memory loss is a thing. Your character has memory loss, which makes it just about every Japanese role-playing game. But you're going to learn a lot of things in flashbacks, and I do like that and how that progresses. The game is called Unsighted, but the idea is that when these androids are become unsighted, it's like they're corrupted and they're not them anymore. Uh, so that's a big thing. So this takes a lot from like Shovel Knight and Bat Boy. Like you can definitely see the parallels there. The thing about this is it seems more dire and more serious. And I think maybe it has to do with the idea that they could die. Like there is permadeath. Like the clock is ticking. I will say as you progress through this game, I really did care for the characters. You know, like I said, I did have to leave a dungeon because I wanted to save this one character. And I think that just comes from some good writing and dialogue. I do wish sometimes there was more development in the relationship between you and that character and the attachment to them. Maybe as I get further in the game, I'm learning more of that, certainly from flashbacks, but I'm not seeing that in like the one-to-one -one dialogue as much as I would like to. But I think for me, maybe I just need more time, and as I get later in the game, maybe things start to click and, you know, memories come back. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Let's wrap up the conversation about Unsighted. This is really a wonderful game. I'm really enjoying my experience with this game. I think there's great depth in the customization in combat, like the different weapon loadouts, the different actual weapons that you can use, the different chips that you can equip, cogs. I think there's such a good synergy between all of them where you feel like it would be overpowered, but I think it just matches the difficulty really well. And I just think the challenge in the game is really good and fair. I know there are difficulty levels, but I think in the main difficulty level, like the middle one, I think it is just perfect. You know, you have to learn parry timing sometimes with new enemies. And the bosses, I think, are just so kinetic and fresh. 
you might think they're like a boss that you've seen before, maybe in Zelda or something like that, but it's definitely just new and, and nice to incorporate the depth of customization in your arsenal. Definitely a great ode to Zelda games, but unique. Uh, you'll definitely feel a lot of Link to the Past in this game, but the thing that I like about this is that the game never gets stale. You're constantly finding new weapons, new items that open things up, different ways to customize your arsenal, different ways to traverse, different places to visit. I, I think the game is just really well paced. It doesn't shoot everything out in the beginning or wait till the end. It's like you constantly are experiencing a riches of things that are available to you. I like the characters and the relationships. I like the direness in this game and like the urgency to care. I don't normally like things like that because I don't like to be pressured and, and put on the spot, but I think it does it at a nice pace that's not too troublesome. In terms of value, I think $20 is super justified with the depth in this game. But if you can get this for under 15, I think it's an absolute must buy. I really, really like this game. Don't overlook it because of its simple visuals. Again, if you're a Zelda fan, if you like Trigger Witch, which was a recent episode, I think if you're a fan of either of those, you're going to delight with a nice, fresh take on the genre. And so I highly recommend this game. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you. Thank you.